Welcome to those who are watching online. It's uh, fantastic to have you join us as well. Once upon a time, there was a camel who lived in the desert with all the other camels. And his mom and dad loved him so much, and they taught him that to survive in the desert, he had to drink water. The only problem was that there wasn't a lot of water in the desert. There was just sand and more sand and cacti, loads of cacti. And so his parents taught him that what he needed to do was to eat the cacti. And even though they were prickly and they were yucky, that was how he survived in the desert. But every day of his life, he was thirsty. He never knew a day when he wasn't thirsty. And because of that thirst inside of him, he started to imagine what it would be like to find water in the desert. And he started to believe that somewhere in this vast expanse of sand, there must be water. And so the camel started to wander away from his parents. Each day he would wander a little bit further and a little bit further. And that's how he found the mud puddle. It wasn't very big. The mud was really thick and gloopy. It was a bit warm, but it was moist. And so the camel started to slurp up the mud, but he was still as thirsty as ever, but at least it was moist. And so more and more often, the camel would leave the other camels and go to the mud puddle and slurp up the mud. And then one day, the puddle dried up. And so the camel went looking for another mud puddle, and he found another puddle, and so he started to visit that one. And when that one dried up, he would look for another one. And so the camel ended up wandering further and further away from home. And then one day, when he was looking for yet another new mud puddle, he came around this huge sand dune, and as he came around the corner, there in front of him was this great wide river. And he wasn't sure if he was dreaming, but if he was dreaming, this was the best dream that he'd ever had. And the camel waded into the river, and he started to drink, and for the first time in his life, he tasted cool, clear water. And he drank and he drank until he couldn't drink anymore. And for the first time in his life, he wasn't thirsty. And the camel in that moment decided that he would live by the river. And he would spend his days wandering back into the desert to look for the other camels. And any of them that he found, he would tell about the river because there was enough water for all of them. And he would invite them, if they believed him, to be led back to the river so that they too could live by the river. That story is a little bit like a story that Jesus once told. And Jesus' story went like this. There was once an ordinary man who did an ordinary job, and one day in the course of his ordinary job, which was digging holes, digging holes for other people, that is, he struck something with his spade that was solid, and it wasn't a rock. And as he looked a bit more carefully, he realized that he just unearthed a vast hoard of treasure. Now, he was an ordinary man, but he wasn't stupid. And in just a few seconds, he worked out that there was more treasure that he just unearthed than he could ever carry. And secondly, that the only legal way for this treasure to be his was for him to buy the field. And so he filled the hole back in, and he rushed home and he convinced his wife that they had to sell everything that they owned and live off as little as possible until they'd saved enough money 
to buy the field. And we don't know how long it took them to save that amount of money, but Jesus says in telling the story that this man lived with joy in his heart. He wouldn't want you to feel sorry for him because of the sacrifices that he made because he knew that the sacrifice was worth what he stood to gain. He knew that he was gaining far more than he'd ever sacrificed in the first place. And the camel wouldn't want you to feel sorry for all the many hours and days of searching that he did because he found the river. Both of those stories are stories of what it's like to discover the kingdom of God. And the story of the camel is actually my story. You see, when we discover the kingdom of God, we discover a treasure that is beyond imagination. It's like finding water in the desert. It's, it's discovering something that takes away your thirst. And when we make that discovery, we're able to live with this joy inside of us. It doesn't matter what it costs us because of what we have found in Jesus. But I have a question for us all this morning, and that is that how many people here would be picked out by their friends, their neighbors, their colleagues, by somebody that they know, a family member, and said, that one there, she has found something that gives her joy beyond compare. You can just tell from being around her that she is living for something greater than anybody else. How many of us would be picked out? And I want to offer you a thought this morning as to why that number isn't very many. And to explain that thought, I'm going to tell you another story. It's a story that's three and a half thousand years old. It comes right out of the Bible. And it's about a general. His name was Joshua. And God had given him the task of leading his people out of the desert and into a new land that God had promised to give to them so they could settle in that land. And so we're going to pick up the story as Joshua is about to begin the first phase of this mission that he's been given. This is Joshua chapter 5, verse 13, if you want to follow it in your own Bibles. And it says this. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, let me just pause there. Jericho was this fortified city in the land that God had told Joshua to conquer. And it was a really key city. It was a city that guarded the main crossing of the River Jordan into this land. It was a city at the junction of two main trade routes. And it was a city that guarded a mountain pass into the main plain of Palestine, which was the land that God was giving to his people. So capturing this city was number one on Joshua's list of things to do. So, with that in mind, what was Joshua doing by himself outside an enemy city? Well, he's a general. It's obvious what he's doing. He's trying to work out a way to get his army into that city. He's making plans. He's scouting out the territory. It came to pass, when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted his eyes and looked and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him. Do you notice the capital M? A man stood opposite him. It's there to give us a little clue 
that this isn't just an ordinary man. This is King Jesus. Now, Joshua hasn't realized that yet, but you've all been let in on the secret. And I love Joshua's attitude. Here he is in enemy territory. He's been surprised by an armed man with a drawn sword, and it says Joshua walks towards him. Joshua has absolute confidence in his ability as a warrior. He doesn't even draw his sword. He's thinking, this is one-on-one, and I fancy my chances. Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our enemies? Basically, whose side are you on? And implicit in that question is, are you on my side? Are you friend or foe? The answer, no. Just think about that for a minute. Who's, are you friend or foe? No. This is, this is God's chosen leader asking God, are you on my side? And God says, no. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. God, are you on my side? No, but I've arrived. And Joshua fell on his face and worshipped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? There was something about the way that that man said, no, but I've arrived. There was something maybe about the look on his face or maybe it was something about when Joshua drew close to him, he could just sense this guy's atmosphere. But suddenly his eyes were opened and he realized who he was stood in front of. And in that moment, Joshua realized that God had not come to bless his plan, but that God had a plan of his own. Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. So the first step in God's plan for the taking of this city was that Joshua take off his shoes. Now you ask any soldier that on the battlefield, that is the last thing that you do is take your shoes off. Because without shoes on, your ability to move and fight is greatly compromised. So what God is asking of Joshua is absolute 100% trust. And Joshua took off his shoes. And the story then unfolds of how God told Joshua the plan to take the city. Joshua followed the instructions and he took the city of Jericho without the loss of a single life in his army. So, how does an extract from the diary of a general that is 3,500 years old affect you here in 2022? How does it connect with a camel and with a hoard of treasure in the ground? Well, let me try and explain. My guess is that many of you are here because like General Joshua and like that camel, you are tired of wandering in the desert and you're tired of living off cacti and you're tired of living thirsty. And 
And you have heard about King Jesus and his offer of a new life to whoever will come to him. And you believe that that offer is a treasure greater than anything else that you could spend your life on. And that's why you're here. I mean, why else would you be here on a Sunday morning? Why else would you come here again and again? But my guess also is that, like General Joshua, you may have misunderstood the invitation of Jesus. That you're living your life, you're kind of doing your stuff, and, and you're hoping that God is on your side. That's the question that you have for God when you come here each week. God, are you on my side? Just want to check in again. Are you on my side? And who wouldn't want God on their side? I mean, he's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, he's good, and he likes you. So you want him on your side. You want God to bless your choices and to bless your agenda and to bless your priority and to bless the direction that you're choosing in life. But God's answer to you is no. He loves you too much to be on your side. It's because of your choices and because of the direction that you've set and it's because of your agenda and your priorities that you needed rescuing in the first place. And so for you to think that you could keep on making all the decisions and keep on choosing your own direction in life and just stick a God sticker on it and and think that you could discover that new life that Jesus promises, you're kidding yourself. The offer that Jesus extends to each one of you is that you get out of the driving seat. If you're a bad driver, inviting somebody else into the car as a passenger is not going to make you a better driver. So, God, are you on my side? The answer is no, but. Did you see that in the passage? No, but. And this is where you need to listen. See, the good news that Jesus brought from heaven to earth is that God is establishing his kingdom and his government on the earth. And that means that he's going to put right all the bad and sad and mad stuff that is going on in the world. God has this great agenda to put all of this right. Is God on your side? No. But he wants you to be on his side. And once you get that, it means you have to start changing the way that you've been thinking. Because if you're like most Christians, the way that you've been thinking has been something along the lines of, God, this is the decision that I've made. Please, would you bless it? God, this is the direction that I've set in life. Please, would you help me? God, this is my money and this is my time. Please, would you bless them? God, these are my things on my agenda. These are my needs. These are my wants. Please, would you meet them? Please, would you bless them? And you need to now shift from thinking like that because God is not your genie. The invitation of Jesus is that you would spend yourself. Did you hear that? It's that you would spend yourself. That means that you would pour everything that you are, everything that you have, every breath that he gives you into God's agenda. You would spend yourself on what he's doing rather than try and convince him to get involved with what you're doing. 
The invitation of Jesus is that you become part of God's agenda. And as you choose in on God's agenda, that's where you discover the river. That's where you find the treasure. That's how cities and towns are taken for the glory of Jesus. That's how giants fall. That's where water turns into wine. That's where people with incurable diseases are healed. That is where there are creative miracles. That's where lives are transformed and people come to faith, is when you get on board with God's agenda, because that's what he's doing. So let me end with one final story. John Wimber, who started the Vineyard Movement, when he first started coming to church, he didn't have a church background, by the way, so all of this was new for him. When he first started coming to church, he couldn't understand why in the singing people did this. He's like, what is that all about? And then one day, when he was driving down the freeway, he drove past a police incident, and he suddenly got it. Because there was a man on the hard shoulder who was being arrested, and he was stood like this. And he understood in that moment that the invitation of Jesus is that you would surrender your life. It's that you get out of the car that you've been driving and you leave that car completely and you get into the vehicle that God is driving and you let him be the driver. And that is where you will find the water of life. That is where you will get to drink of water from which you will never thirst again once you've tasted it. That is where there is a treasure beyond compare, worth more than anything that you could spend yourself on or give your life for. And so that is my invitation to you today. There are some of you here today, perhaps, who maybe you have never surrendered your life to Jesus. Maybe because you never knew that there was the offer of a new life on the table. Maybe you never knew that you could leave the, the wreck of your life behind and you could get into the vehicle that God is driving. And if that's you today, I want to invite you to surrender your life to Jesus because that is the offer that he extends to you. But there are other people here today, people who've been living their lives and doing their own thing and just put a God sticker on the outside. And I want to invite you today to recognize that that is not the invitation of Jesus. And, and if that's you, I've just given you a key to explaining why, even with a God sticker on the outside of your life, you're still thirsty. And you're still in the desert. And so I want to invite you to truly surrender your life to Jesus. And I want to invite you to get on board with what he's doing.